This is The Mediated Minds, a series of podcasted conversations recorded in relation to the 2021 Noorderlicht Photo Festival. Is this uh, loud and clear enough? Like this? Yes? Okay. The Noorderlicht Festival is the anchor point in our programming. Noorderlicht wants to put things on the agenda and that has been always the first important starting point all those years Noorderlicht exists already. 32 years at, at, uh, at this, this year. And this year the Makeable Mind is uh, the main course we are presenting. In a selection of visual stories and more than 70 image makers from all over the world and some of you are here uh, luckily to give their vision of how images influence our thinking every day. We get up with them, we go to bed with them, and in our dreams we are spin our interpretations of what we have experienced. And I think that the people who are visiting the festival will uh, continue interpreting the makeable mind in their dreams as well. Pauline, our guest curator, together with uh, uh, George Knechtel, and together with our head curator Wim. Wim, where are you? It's the first time, we had, we had wonderful guest curators, but it's the first time you were really part of the team. It happens not all the time. So thank you for that. It's, it's, it was a pleasure working with you and I, I hope that this, this, this well cooperation will go on in the future. And uh, uh, I want to thank you for that. But also all the other people from Noorderlicht, when, when there are heroes, You are the real heroes of this festival. I want to finish with the next uh, sentence. You may say this making such a festival for the 28th time is a kind of routine, but it isn't. Every year is different and every year is difficult. But it never will become a routine because when you fall into routine, you lose your significance. Thank you so much. episode of the podcast that accompanies this year's Noorderlicht for the festival with the title The Makeable Mind. And with me are the two main curators of the festival, um, Pauline Drescher and Georges Knechtel. Um, and I would like to start with just asking you to introduce yourself and your background uh, and the context that you bring to the festival. Pauline, can I ask you to give it a start? Yes, of course. Um, thank you, Andrea, that you wanted to do this. Um, I think it's a, it's a great way to, uh, well, to, to reach an audience and to, to be able to explain a little bit more why we are making this festival the way we are doing this. Um, I have an, a, a background in new media and digital culture. Used, I started out as an artist. I was educated here at Academie Minerva as a new media uh, yeah, artist. And later on, I more focused into the theoretical background of things. And I started to curate for several festivals. So I'm a freelancer running around doing all different kinds of uh, projects. Uh, among others, I work for the Netherlands Film Festival. 
uh, a curate there, the Digital Culture Program. And um, I am also affiliated with the Public Spaces Organization, which is a movement that uh, tries to, uh, well, get the internet back. It wants to have a more public sphere online. And uh, I do research, I write, and I think, but this is not really something I know, but I think they invited me to be the festival curator this year because of the fact that I am outside of photography and I'm looking from a little bit a different angle uh, on this field. Well, that already um, makes a lot of questions pop up in my mind, but let's first also hear from George. Hi, uh, I'm Georgia Knechtel. My background is very much within photography. I uh, studied at the Royal Academy of Arts in The Hague, where I graduated from documentary photography in 2017. Um, yeah, so photography has been very familiar to me. And during the years towards my graduation, I uh, started working for a few photo festivals and a few project spaces and became more affiliated with curating. And yeah, my fascination for it has grown ever since. I was invited two years ago, 2019, here at Noorderlicht to participate in the first uh, Young Curators Mentorship Program, which is their way to bring in new talent and a new perspective, um, where I curated an exhibition together with Laura Carbonell. And yeah, now this year I'm invited as a junior curator, uh, which has been completely different compared to two years ago as there I was just overlooking this one space and now it's a sort of, now it's two provinces, now it's this, this overview of this bird eye view on the theme as well. And very different backgrounds, different positions in relation to this medium of photography. I mean, this year, uh, if we look at how the festival is introduced, it explicitly states that it departs from photography, which of course we can take in two, two ways as a word. And I think you already kind of alluded to it, no? that, that you, you, you come from outside of photography, from a new media background. Could, could you say something about, about how you depart from photography, how you build on that? Well, I think it's in, in the core definition of uh, Noorderlicht these days that they say they are a lens-based culture oriented. And then I had to look it up actually, because I was in the, uh, I thought that lens-based would mean that you needed a lens, but it's not true. Lens-based is that it's kind of as if there is a lens, even when there is not a lens. So for with making uh, images with AI, for example, there is no lens, but it still imagines there's one single point of view from where you well, mm -hmm. capture something. So I think it's it's for Noorderlicht, it's a natural a next step to take image culture in a broader sense. And I think what inspired it partly is that this whole digital image culture has such a huge impact on our society. Mm -hmm. And it's not only, a, you, you don't only use it to look differently, but it also changes you. It infects affects the way we behave, how we uh, work, how we communicate, how we socialize, how we feel about ourselves. And, and this is such a core element of our current society. I think that it's, it's really hard to say we only look at photography and nothing else because photography is in line with a whole series of technologies that, that together all give us this new reality, building a new world. 
mm-hmm. basically, until the extent we allow it, but also beyond that, it's changing us. And yeah. then that, that's why I think it's, it's amazingly um, interesting and fascinating. And all in that full spectrum, photography takes a, a large place, of course. So, so that's how I look, look at this. Yeah, and I think from uh, photographers' perspectives as well, that there's just been such a growing curiosity to use more technology, more, more technological uh, ways to tell a story. And yeah. um, because there's so much more available now. And yeah, that it's, it's much more than the camera and holding the camera and telling a story through that. But it's the, it's the potential of photography. Yeah. The way it's also been phrased, I guess, is expanded photography, where somehow in the making there is the aspect of thinking about reflecting on the medium but not necessarily through something made with a lens is that sort of a yeah and i think also in that also to reflect through that on the the truth within an image or the truth with what you're trying to tell which also then really correlates with the theme and and how how we're now talking about different realities and different truths even though they've always been there but now mm-hmm. because they're so connected mm-hmm. globally that i feel it's much more apparent and, yeah. and i feel that photographers really work with that as well so that's the malleability of the image but also of the mind and is in in terms of new media pauline when were you trained as a new media i graduated in i think 1994 what were new media in 1994? Basically, uh, the internet was suddenly there for all of us. That was kind of new. When I started the art academy, there was not yet a MacBook, but when I left, there was. <laughs> not a book, maybe, but an Apple computer. And that made it much more accessible for a lot of people. I, I, I worked on uh, video installations and I remember one particular installation which I was really proud of and it, it was projection from the ceiling on the floor and it was originally meant to, to have 16 televisions laying on their back and then drops of water would fill in uh, fall in, in a larger water and you had those concentric circles and you never knew where the next drop would fall so it was kind of a game you played with your eyes plop 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 and then i suggest this like i need 16 monitors 16 televisions and then the man who worked at the department he said no but i can write you a program that you can edit in one screen 16 screens and i said cool you you make this for me and then i can edit in one screen Mm -hmm. and then i had eight seconds of footage and that was something that my computer at home could not handle but at school, we had those computers. So that, that was the, the days. And I remember that when it was finished, I was super proud. And then they said, why don't you make it interactive? And I said, like, why? I don't want it interactive. But then the whole myth of interactivity already started. Like anything should be interactive if you want it to be interesting. So that's a kind of um, important point in time, I think, that we uh, start to realize that we can interact with stuff. Things change when we touch it or we look at it or we move around it, etc. Is, is new media then rather than lens-based, screen-based? It, it could be. And, and certainly in these uh, days we are in now with the Internet of Things, I mean, it, it could be a table that is interactive. 
right? Or it could be a plan that is interactive. It doesn't have to be a screen. It's completely beyond the screen. Mm-hmm. If, if you have, if you talk about digital technologies or new media and what's new, there has been a call for, uh, let's call it emerging media. Uh, the media that, that will be new tomorrow. We can look at that. Of, uh, so, so therefore in the Netherlands these days, they, they use this term digital media mostly, and that, that covers quite it. And, and for the Noorderlicht Festival, the Makeable Mind, we focus more on screen-based things than non-screen-based things. But <laughs> even, even then, there are also uh, non-screen-based things. For example, we have an uh, audio installation at Artvi in Westerwolde. There's an exhibition called After Nature, but there are also uh, other non-screen kind of things to experience. Their performances. Um, yeah. I always think, and this is maybe a last sidestep before going indeed to the festival theme. I always think that um, actually seeing and engaging with what you see is already interaction. No? You think something, then you look at something, and then it makes you think differently, and exactly. then you look again, and then it's different. Exactly. And, and this cycle. And you talk to someone about it. And then again, it gets changed. That's, my, that's absolutely true. Yeah, for me, it was. But how do you see that now? In the way that you describe it now, it's, it's also interactive because you're not thinking about it like, oh, this is, a, this is an interactive installation. That there's sometimes I feel that there are specific type of works that really try and implement this idea of it has to be interactive. And so as a viewer, you're only looking at, or you're only dealing with that in-between part of this is supposed to be an interaction when actually I feel that the moment that that's removed and you are just yeah like you, you say you push you look a button some, yeah for it to be to 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 yeah make it sort of tangible and extreme in an extreme way but yeah yeah hey then this indeed this theme the makeable mind was that something developed by you was it was it a, a question by Norlicht how did how did it all start in the original four-year plan of the festival, it, it was called Through or There, the, the game that you have to choose. Mm-hmm. You have to answer a question and then you have to say Through or There, or you say the, the truth or you get a, a challenge. For example, kiss the first person on the street or, or you tell the, the truth on the question like, for example, who do, do you dream of most often? And then, then mm-hmm. you have to choose. Truth or dare. So that that's how th- they they came to me. Like this is the theme for now. Would you like to take it up as a project this year? I said yes, and I started thinking about the theme. And I thought it was too uh, binary. It was or the one or the other. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, I, I went searching for a title that leaves more space for parallel worlds because it it's so many things. It's not clear if it's true or not. It's not clear if the consequences of something that is obviously fake, it becomes true because it involves real people, real events, etc. That, that's how I came to the makeable mind. The idea that it's not all or one or the other. It also opens up a lot of new worlds, parallel worlds that, that can be super beautiful and inspiring and beautiful. But at the same time, it also results in things that are maybe less uh, nice. 
and even dangerous or even uh, troublesome. And I thought with the Makeable Minds, maybe this is really about what you just said, that the interactivity of things, that how you look at things, you change the nature of things. I really believe that. And therefore, it's really important to be aware of the power of the mind and that, that how you look at things is actually changing the reality out the reality there. Out there. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, um, yeah, it's, it's all in the mind's eye. It's, it's the perspective which is really important and the flexibility of this perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, the main inspiration uh, of the program. Yeah. This, uh, uh, I have this quote for, of uh, Federico Campagna from the book A Technic and Magic. And the reconstruction of reality that that really was an inspiration for the call we wrote and the open call where people could respond to um it's not long it's just two sentences uh, we take for granted that not only a certain kind of things exist electrons but not angels passports but no nymphs this is what we understand as reality but in fact reality varies with each era of the world in turn shaping the field of what is possible to do think and imagine our contemporary age has embraced the troubling and painful form of reality technique under technique the very foundations of reality begin to crumble thus shrinking the field of the possible and freezing our lives in an anguished state of paralysis for me this this notion to to look at reality and how technology is a kind of squeezing this this is what we have been looking for in, in the, the curation of the, the festival. And then for works that could expand an awareness of these mechanisms with the viewer. Or just use, use it. Just use technologies, use different forms of looking. Yeah, that's in the works. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And we just discussed before we, uh, we had this, uh, this chat, we, we said like, oh, it may be nice to... Uh, how we started with the selection, right? So we actually we were with three people. Lynn Melis, the head curator uh -huh. of Nora yeah. Licht, he was involved as well. Yeah. yeah. And then it was uh, the both of us. But I think the when, three when of us... When did you get involved, uh, George, maybe? Because so Pauline was asked to, to respond to the truth or there yeah. and, and sort of molded it towards... Yeah, I started only in December and I think you... Yeah, I didn't take part in the creation of the theme. So that was kind of told to me afterwards. And also, you'll be working with this person. And then I think our conversations, well, meeting each other and our conversations about the theme kind of started at the same time when the open call came in. And, and then I think it was interesting that with the three of us, you had Wim, who has you know, been with Norlicht for so long, and Pauline coming from digital media and me coming from photography, that the three of us looked at it yeah, and that, that it was nice that there were so many uh, ways that we agreed with each other, but also so many different outlooks that we had. And there were over 400 applications, I believe. But that before we started, we all first had a talk about what matters, what are we looking at? Based on this theme, what is it that we want to bring to the audience? And what, what matters to you? Uh, to me? <laughs> you already heard a bit from Pauline. I think for me, a, a genuine type of curiosity from, from the artist and, and a motivation, often uh, also a type of social relevance in it as well. So for me, the, what I was very interested in was um, 
yeah, photographers that went beyond their comfortableness and and used the medium in a different way that to me was also very new. That the moment that I saw something, I thought, oh, I've really never seen this before. You know, it's it's it it feels rare because you've seen so many things and everything exists. You know, artists that would create sculptures and then photograph that and that that's the work and or that they for example also the the way that the young curators have been do, dealing with it um we're making the exhibition at the studio space mm-hmm. and that's also it's a sound installation that through stories that you hear through voices that you hear that paints a very very clear image in your head or a selection of paintings that are based from a photograph but yeah it's still to me still is is such a it has photography at heart which is this shift that is happening in a way at Nordlicht that Pauline already mentioned no where it's it's not only anymore through photography but it can also be about photography through other media yeah helping us to reflect yeah and in so many different ways as well that that's you know, one of the locations um, specifically is aimed at investigative journalism, or really this idea of how are we dealing with imagery and how, what is our role as a citizen or as you know a person that has internet connection, and what can we bring? What, how can we change stories, or how can we confront others with their idea of what a story is or how a story? Which phase is that? The one uh, that's uh, MP3. Yeah. It shows, uh, for example, a work of forensic architecture. So they're, to me, the, the, sort of the perfect example of what you can do with internet and collaborating mostly as well. And how can you, how can you, with such, yeah, I don't know how to explain how, how, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it, I think it's kind of a luxury that we're here in one space now uh, uh, making this podcast in that silence just now that I don't think we should be editing out. It was beautiful to see <laughs> you thinking and see literally see your eyes staring uh, at the moving ceiling. from left to right, from left to right and, and trying to find your, your words. But let's maybe we can maybe I can add something yeah. there because what I think is really interesting of the, the work of forensic architecture in the context of the festival. If we are not only trying to cross boundaries between disciplines, huh? mm-hmm. photography, digital media, interactivity, etc. But we also look at boundaries uh, between other forms of disciplines. Like, is this journalism? Is it an art project? Is it a research project? Is it citizens journalism? Is it, a, you know, there are so many different ways to look at this piece of reality. And I think that that's also in art is really a, something that is occurring, emerging at the moment. That's the idea that an artwork can be something else than just an artwork. It really can have an active voice in society. It can have a, a critical voice in society. And you see lately more and more artists that are really you know, looking into these kind of you know, forms of activism even and and have a a large meaning for communities uh, in that sense could you say something about what the the responses were to the open call already mentioned because the curation took place in different ways partly by invitation and partly through the open call what came in and how did that relate to your 
however open, but still somehow expectations, I imagine, or hopes. You mean regarding the the applications? That yeah, came what in? what what came in and and how how that informed your yeah it, it was completely all over the place and and let's yeah. uh, imagine you have 400 entries so where do you start do you start looking at the work do you start reading how long do you take to dive into things before you accept or dismiss mm-hmm. right and sometimes it was like we also could keep an eye on each other that there was something that i maybe dismissed and then Georgia or Wim said like, oh, my wait, you missed something here because this is actually where it's about. And sometimes things get a whole new layer when you start digging into the, the background ideas, etc. So sometimes we, we encountered things that, that were after close reading less interesting and sometimes they gained on... Yeah, tension or um, ramifications with these realities we were looking for. Yeah, and I think also that you know, seeing all the works, seeing so many works at the same time or over the, the period of, of, of weeks, that they influenced each other as well so much that we would relook at one project three times and only the third time after seeing maybe 50 more applications, it made sense. Or that there was... The, it sort of naturally happened that that different categories emerged from it and that you could really see connections between ah this is what this person is doing and and it's you know they're not alone it's it's a natural thing that's that's emerging or this is the way that that they're responding uh, and, to and, and the things theme or, navigate towards each other right yeah the, we we have 12 locations and we try to plot like in a way that every location has its own sub theme mm-hmm. so at a certain point you, you 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 start to cluster ideas and ways of looking and ways of uh, storytelling and then you see oh my wait if we are going to talk about this over there then maybe we connect that work to it as well and then suddenly the work gets a new context and gets a new m- meaning because of their neighbors mm-hmm. and and that's something that that really grew through the festival and then i don't know how it's for you George, but for me now is everything that's out there makes completely sense yeah, yeah. it's i cannot imagine that we take out one of these works yeah because we we thought about it so much we talked about it so much yeah. and everything found its place yeah because together they tell a larger story yeah 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 so we really hope that everyone visits every single location in a way this this podcast is is as you also already uh, uh, sort of re- referred to, is an attempt to to help inform yeah. the audience of this. And if you miss something, that maybe yeah. you can pick it up from yeah. here. We are just uh, the tip of the iceberg because afterwards the artists are coming. Yeah. Uh, yes. And th- then you get the the real stories. Yeah. This is whatever we can say. It's a little bit secondhand. Yeah. <laughs> but, w- but within those 400 uh, applications, so that, that was the citizen journalism was there? The, the yeah. No, no, that was, on inv- that was on invitation. Yeah. Well, there was uh, uh, one of the artists who's in that location came from the open call. Oh, two. Yeah. Florian Gutke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just all feel the same now. Yeah. yeah Florian Gutke and, and uh, Walter Costa. And yeah, I think that one location, uh, Pictura, which is down the street of MP3, 
uh, has a selection of, of works that deal with retelling or using their their personal history or their cultural history to tell a new story. And and they all do it in, 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 in many different ways, in, in very, very personal ways, in um in ways that deal with migration, uh conflict. And it's really and all across based the world as well. As well. Yeah. Did you take the, 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 the places, the, the locations and their cultural position into account? I mean, here with Pictura, I can, you know, this, this is such an established institute here in the Groningen context with a, with a very sort of traditional history. No? Are, are those things you've also been responding to or is that more of a... Sometimes. For example, we have the After Nature exhibition at Artvie, which makes sense there because it's a lot of nature there. Um, the the main um, yeah the keynote installation so to speak is a working commission by Ark uh, Loki now it's called Life as We Know It. Um, that is really that was the, the absolutely the starting point of the program for me. That that was a project that um, already existed last year in the form of a film, a short film, five minutes. It was called Loki Life as We Know It. Um, last year, that was the theme of the Netherlands Film Festival conference, where I also program for. And life, as we know, it is something as something that you think you know, but it will change before you know it, right? As life as you know it, it's it's just there for a second, and then it's gone. And and how can you grab, hold on to that? How can you understand that? So I commissioned last year the film Life as We Know It for as an opening for the Netherlands Film Festival, and then. Uh, I learned that the main location for Noorderlicht was Aakerk, the A-Church. And then I thought, oh, how beautiful would it be if we explode this film into the church on real screens. And we give it a second, uh, and that was also a, a second reason to work on the title, The Makeable Mind, how we can relate that to life as we know it. And, so the church was really uh, the starting point for the fantasy I had to ask Ark to to work again on this notion of life as we know it. And, and they did, and they are building up now. It's a huge AI machine. It's basically some kind of audiovisual monster uh, that creates images and sounds uh, activated by you when you walk around it. And, and it's... it's, uh, it, it's, it's I think it's funny that it's really an emotional piece. It, it really uh, hits me when I'm... I just saw bits and pieces of it now, but it's uh, you have to come and see for yourself because it's it's almost uh, unexplainable when you don't see it. It's huge and it's it's uh, large and you can spend time there. Just, you know, absorb what you see and see how you react and it evolves over time and it's never the same. It's always new. And it's live AI generated. So that, that, that was one part of the church. And then the other part of the church is for the mostly photography. And yeah, then you start plotting, like what themes can handle this? So the, the project Loki now is, is really much about the um, uh, collaboration between mankind and machine, between the human and a machine. And uh, the, the matter of authorship also arises there. And then the other side of the church on the left end, it's more about people and technology and the science fictional stories that come from these kind of 
about connections. And then the third side of the church, it's more about mankind, technology and nature and, and how these are related. So, you know, so it's, it's like uh, borduren, it's like knitting. Yeah. It's, it's like finding waves, see how you can connect themes, how can you connect uh, matter, how can you connect uh, views. Yeah, that's the curatorial making. Yeah, that, that, that's what it is. And, and uh, sometimes it's just, and Pictura, of course, it's just beautiful gallery. Yeah, and MP3 was also inspired eh, because of the, 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 it is a research gallery. Yeah. And the owners, Ruth and Zwan, are, are really political invested yeah. as well. So, of course, you try to give them something that makes them happy as well. Huh? So, it's, it's always, it, it plays a role, but you don't have to choose. You, can, you cannot choose, choose everything. But, for example, this, this thing we, we uh, put in the, the Gemaalde Heining, yeah. there are a few locations up near the north, uh, the Waddenzee, mm-hmm. up north, the coast, Friesland and Groningen. And uh, Gemaal is a water work, work basically. Yeah, it, it, it regulates the water. So, you have... Uh, a science fiction kind of building at the dike and, and it, it looks down into the land and it comes the sea is in your back and land is there and so we we plotted uh, an installation there a video installation that is built out of a game engine with only sort of meditative waterworks and it's such a beautiful connection the original purpose of the building the colors and the yeah. shapes around it and then this work inside yeah. of it yeah it's uh yeah, it's been it's been very fascinating how i think also quite unusual how all of these locations have created such interesting relations to the works as well that you know they weren't just regular rooms with white walls that you just hang the works and you you describe what they mean and and, and, and why they're there but yeah, I think in relation to that, lots of the works in our selection deal with the, the relationship between nature and technology and the landscape, and that it is so fitting for this region as well, and for Friesland and Groningen. And what you know, the title of the work is "Imagine Yourself on an Island in the Middle of the Ocean" by uh, Eva Dorozenko. Yeah, but but it's uh, it's true. You you always keep a close eye on uh, the location and the architecture. It's another level of interaction again and and maybe activation. Even this this title of the work is is already activating the mind. Yes, and and imagine that you are on your bike, you are on a bike tour and you have the wind and the sun and you are on your way to imagine yourself on an island in the middle of the ocean. And that's all. And it's not one work after the other like in a museum, but it's really... Only one work, and then maybe you, yeah. you know, take a rest while you're listening to yeah. it. And the same way at, at Artfeed, the, the the first time that we went there to look at the location, I was just gawking and around me because I, mm-hmm. yeah, I live in the in the Hague, so I only see concrete and, and not so much else. Maybe the beach sometimes, but and and then it's 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 really interesting then that the works in there they deal with nature, but the only thing that you see is technology. Everything is rendered. Everything is 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 a different type of 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 uh, reflection on mm-hmm. that what you see outside. Yeah, and it really fits to the region as well. And I think that was also very important to us that that the regional audience here also can 
relate to it from their own place, yeah. their own surroundings. Yeah. yeah. So we have interaction through contrasts sometimes and through these these different media. And it sounds like it's been a super rich process f so far for you that will soon be expanded. I'd be curious to hear what you learned from each other, from this collaboration, from these, these two positions. I think Pauline is, is really strong in, in talking to people and communicating with people and listening to them and, and collaborating with them and really working with what other people have to offer. I think that's definitely one thing. And how does that differ from, from your? Well, being, I think, so far, not having had worked on, on such a large scale with so many people involved. And I think, it, I mean, it's also practical things mm -hmm. of, of going over many different types of budgets and, and production teams. And, yeah, and you know, it's also really that. It's, a, it's such a larger scale. And to oversee, you know, to have a bird's eye view on that and, and still guard the, the essence of what you're doing and what you're trying to communicate to an audience and not lose that along the way, I think, is very special. And, and the other way around. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's uh, actually a question we, we should answer at the end of the the whole trip. <laughs> but for now, it's 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 great to work with uh, Georgia. She really has got my back. You know, I, I am doing too many things at the same time. Always, there are too many connections. There are too many things to you know. So so I usually take the high roads. You know, I, mm -hmm. I take the the long lines, and then I think of the larger concepts. And she is really precise and and I really trust her in in you know calling me back when I'm going too fast or um, you know she keeps looking at the, the small text and I really feel like that that I can trust her in well keeping me in my uh, main lane and, and I can be a little bit you know all over the place and, and wild and too fast and no meeting <laughs> can take longer than 45 minutes and then we have to go and next and, and she is more quiet and uh, yeah like dives into things and yeah so that's a great way to collaborate yeah what did you learn about photography so far um well I was like you maybe I was also teached by Frauke Hoekstra So I've spent many nights looking at books, man, looking at many, many books. So Frauke Hoekstra was a lecturer at Minerva. Minerva, and yeah. She was, I indeed uh, uh, had classes with her, but in my master program in Breda. Yeah. yeah. The particular thing of Frauke teaching is not that like normal teachers, they come to, to school. Right, and then you sit there in a classroom. But Frauke turned it around. Said, "I cannot bring all my stuff to school. You come to me." So we always went there. And those days, you had small classes. And she lives in a library, basically. No? In two libraries. Yeah. And, and, and even the bathroom was filled with books. The toilet was filled with filled with cupboards. Mm -hmm. But what kind of books? As in photography. Photography, just photography. And books. and and everything. She taped everything on video. So the, the, uh, two, they had two houses, two small houses next to each other. I think they had seven or eight video recorders. And I, I babysit the cats now and then in the summer when they were away. And then you, you had this recording schedule. Uh, this is pre-internet. You had to record everything. And it sometimes was 15 
broadcasting's day. You had to, you know, start recorders and, and label it and change the tapes. And so m- meters and meters of tapes and it's, yeah. it's all still there. She will be at the opening. Oh, I look she forward will be there. to seeing her. Yeah. Because this is a funny sidestep uh, and a little bit of a of an in, of an between. Uh, but what what did you want to say with I I am like you? Uh, the you t- you you met her. I met her, and I yeah. so where we where I sort of clashed with her was that, uh, and and this is very much in line with what you what you, what you are now saying, and in a way it touches, I think, on on some of the things uh, implied in the festival description. In a, in a different way that I hadn't imagined before, but but where I had some well, clashes is too big of a word, but but she felt we as master's students had to be interested in everything, and I thoroughly disagreed with her. Okay, in that I was at the time interested in uh, thinking about and expanding my understanding of documentary photography. And I felt I needed a focus on that. And then she came with, this was uh, Breda, so she came with crates. So classes were not in her, in the houses. I've been there at some point, but that's not where the classes were. She she arrived and then we all had to ca- help her carry the books to, to the classroom. And then there were three crates of which one was fashion photography. And then I said, Frauke, I'm not going to look at those because that's going, that's, that's, making me lose my focus mm. so yeah that, that no, I, I was completely from the other school i, I was so <laughs> curious and so hungry and so i was also hungry but i but i was hungry in and maybe this is you know for me that 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 works with the master level also in the bachelor you're exploring everything and then yeah, i wanted to go yeah. more in depth in one direction at the time but anyhow your initial question was like what did you learn about photography? Yeah, so you you were giving us the, the, yeah, where you were. I just <laughs> wanted to sketch that it was not the first time that I was engaged no, with yeah. photography. But uh, well, one of the things that not maybe that I learned, but was interesting at a certain point in, in the discussion, Bim actually raised this question that he said like is, it is as if you when something is really beautiful you are suspicious ca- yeah or you cast it away because it's just it's just beautiful it's just beautiful like why are you just we, we had nice <laughs> discussions about this because of course i disagreed but um it was a, a nice way to to think about things and then we we, t- we talked about also the technical quality of things how important this is or not yeah, yeah and then i think it also really ranged with with you know between the works that with some of them, that was a very relevant thing to, to raise, and with some of them, it really wasn't. And I think with how I was taught photography at, at the Royal Academy of Arts was also not, not really necessarily um, from the medium itself so much, but more as a researcher of why am I doing this, and, and, and how do I want to go about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it feels like you're starting, you know, you're starting over on a different topic and different research and you become the specialist in that and then it's okay how am i using this medium to to tell that story and i think that's yeah that's something that also came back throughout the selection in the open call as well but also some of them that you felt okay they have they have not used photography at all but their story is very interesting and then it's you know do yeah. you then cast it away because they've only touched the camera once or you don't 
and 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 I I really like that variety in all the works that it's not these are all very professionally skilled photographers or they've all been taught the same way but it's no they this time they wanted to use video or this time they they want to do a performance or yeah I think this already circles around where, what I wanted to ask you as we slowly start to go towards the end of this first podcast episode. It's, it sounds, Pauline, to, to, to sort of try to wrap that up or see if I understand it correctly, is that the interaction again in this curatorial team with Wim Meles, despite you having this fertile ground from the classes uh, with Fraukje, it was still sort of an expansion of your of your visual literacy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and also um, that that I felt uh, you, you have to be true to the festival you work for. Mm -hmm. yeah. I cannot just open a new page and do whatever I want to do. I I, I really looked at other uh, yeah. seasons, other festivals. Um, where is Nordlicht coming from, and where could I see it going? Yeah. And for this, I needed Wim, and yeah. also yours from a more photographic perspective. But then trusted my own gut feeling towards the more uh, digital media technologies, and we really tried to uh, to build something that does both, mm -hmm. that, that is true to to its heritage, and that also opens doors to a future. That is yeah, contemporary, yeah. exciting, yeah. and well, even maybe trying to forecast things that come, that how, how, what it means to be human, what it means to uh, exist in a world like this, and, and not trying to be uh, too complex about it. But that, that's really a question, who are we in these days? It's, it's relevant. It's not much uh, small talk these days, yeah, right? Yeah. A lot yeah. of big themes. And the, the emergence again what is developing and where is it going to the photographers the people th with the photographic heart who, who love beautiful images why should they come well because it's still there they're definitely still there but uh, yeah i think also the way that the pauline is explaining it is that it's everything also regarding digital media it's it's only adding up to it it's not changing the the essence of of, of what photography is about or it's you know it doesn't all have to be ugly and weird and, and strange i think there's definitely lots of beautiful stories but just in so many different and diverse ways oh and there's a lot of eye candy i'm browsing through the catalog as we speak <laughs> it's not finished yet feast in your eyes yes uh -huh. uh, i think this the, the, this gives a lot of uh, perspective and and it's a huge invitation for people to come and i hope they will and i look forward to seeing the shows that will, at least the Groningen part, will be available by the time this podcast is made available. So it's a big invitation to everyone. And then the next two episodes that we are going to record soon are with Ark, who you've already introduced. Mm. But the next one indeed will be the young curators who are downstairs as we are here in the library uh, building up their show and I asked you to give me a question to take with me to the conversation with them. Yeah. Um, so with them... Uh, Maybe good to mention their names. Eh? Yeah. Minor and Rawat, Rawat Baglini. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think they'll be, they'll do very well explaining uh, 
everything for themselves. Uh, and I look forward to hearing what they'll have to say. I think the the, the first curiosity that we have, uh, and we haven't talked about yet, so we're doing it here, is to uh, ask them what their, their title is about. The title is um, Splintered Thoughts and Fragile Plots. And I think it has a lot uh, to, they have a lot to unpack within it. Mm-hmm. Their perspective on the theme is about the poetics of truth and how we shape our truth and how how we understand a story and how artists can manipulate stories in a different way. But they use very small uh, adaptions within it in, in how they tell these stories. And really all over the world, narratives from every corner, very much also about belonging, identity, diaspora, these kind of elements. Uh, yeah, we find there. And, and which resonates beautifully, I think, with the, the main theme of the Make Well Mind, right? What makes yeah. you who you are and what it has location and being in a world to do with it. Yeah. Well, this gives me a beautiful start for the conversation with them to situate their title within the bigger framework uh, of the festival. Thank you very much for taking the time while you are, I'm sure, very busy making sure everything works out as you hope. And yeah, maybe we will have a, an opportunity to have a small, small after talk yeah. uh, in retrospect after the festival has happened. We will see. Um, for now, thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoy the process. Thank you. And uh, good luck with the, the next one. So tune in again for the next episode in which I will talk. And this is very embarrassing. Uh, you have... The names of the young curators still present. Uh, Tiu Miner and Ravat Baglini. Thank you. Very welcome.